This is the Vinny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Good evening, my name is Vinny White and this is a radio show on the radio. The station is News Talk 1010 and it's on for an hour. You can get involved, if you like, by calling 416-872-1010 or you can text the show on 71010. Do I sound different? A little bit. I should have heard me yesterday. It was more like it would have been more like the Barry White show than the Vinny White show. It was so low. I was down here. And mildly at the time, I don't know what happened, but I get very slightly more more. I'm slightly American when I have a cold. I don't know why. It'd be great if you could get various illnesses and they changed your accent, wouldn't it? Anyway, this is my normal one, but a few octaves lower than normal. Uh, what do you want to know? Vinny is the name. Um, enjoy it, really. Should be all right. It's a pretty good radio show. Um, and if it's not, then I can blame it on the cold. Bonus. Thanks, mate. It's just uh, Elliot has come in because I don't know how to use a television. And I wanted to put the Oscars on so that I could give you a sort of commentary. And it looks like both of us don't know. Do you not know how either? Yeah, I'm confused. Well, this is why it's an award-winning radio show. Fantastic things like this. Two grown adults not capable of using a television in a media company. And a man warbling on about how he might help you through the Oscars. Thing is, I don't know anything about the Oscars either, so it's probably a good thing that we can't get the TV to work. At least that way I've got an excuse on not being very good at the commentary. But the Oscars are on, and if anything exciting happens, then I'll let you know. There's probably nothing really exciting to happen, is there? There's probably only a potential wardrobe malfunction. That's all we look for in these things nowadays. It's all very stagnant, isn't it? I think I know what's going to happen anyway. I think the fellow that played Stephen Hawking is going to win something, because I saw that yesterday. What's his name? Eddie uh, Redmaid, who played the Stephen, uh, Stephen Hawking in the Stephen Hawking movie. I saw it on a plane yesterday, and uh, it was amazing. The theory of everything. It was amazing if you like Hollywood and hardship and romance. If you want to actually understand what Stephen Hawking has done as a scientist... Probably best read one of his books because it gives you no inkling as to that whatsoever. Uh, but if you like a sort of light bite and a little bit of a tearjerker about the uh, dilapidation uh, of a man suffering from motor neurone syndrome, uh, then watch that movie. But if, again, if you want if you want to know what he's done scientifically, forget it. I, th- I find that a lot of directors, you know, they don't want to confuse the audience. When it comes to movies that have a lot of interesting content or could do. So what they do to, to show that he's a genius, they just do a montage of him writing on chalkboards in a frantic manner over classical music to prove his overwhelming intelligence. But he could be writing down anything. You have absolutely no idea. So, um, yeah, if you, if you really want to learn about string theories, quarks and the way the universe works, probably best not turn to a Hollywood movie. Surprisingly. That's what I learned. Uh, I also learned that it's very difficult to concentrate for two hours with um, the flu. That's what I had. Yeah, I'm just getting over it. That's why I sound a bit cranky. And um, oh, it's just grim. I went to bed yesterday at four o'clock in the afternoon and I got up today at 12. Just felt like hell. Just I couldn't do anything. You know, when you wake up and you need a pee and you think, oh, God, I've got to get out of bed. There's a bloody good chance I'll die. 
I feel like Scott leaving the tent in the Antarctic. You know, I'm going out for a while. I may be some time. It was a terrible feeling. Um, and I'm still a bit shaky. So if you're the announcer after me and you're listening to this, then do Lysol this microphone to prevent germs. Um, so I went snowboarding. That's why I wasn't here last week. And that, by the way, is also why I got the flu. Because apparently, if you go snowboarding in New Hampshire in uh, February, you know, it's only minus 30. Minus 30. Up a hill. And the worst thing is I couldn't say no. It's a really weird dynamic. I'm a, I don't know what you call it really, a holiday rep, I suppose. I wear a blue jacket and help children um, achieve their dreams. And I don't do anything of the sort. I wear a blue jacket and pretend to work and get a free holiday out of it. It's something I've been doing for years. Every, every February or so, I go to, usually to the States, usually to Vermont, actually, but this time it was New Hampshire. And a friend of mine from the UK comes over, and we both, for a British holiday company, look after lots of British school children. Now, I say look after in the loosest sense of the word because I don't really have to do anything. They've all got their legal chaperones, i.e. their teachers. And what normally happens is you turn up, you say hello, um, you show them to their rooms, you give them their ski passes. On the, day, on the first day, you call the bus company, make sure the bus comes, big yellow bus rocks up outside the hotel. You get on with all the children and the teachers, and then you take them to ski fit, which means you put, you know, put them through the, the system of renting skis, and then you bugger off for a week. It's fantastic. And you hang out with your mates and you meet some other reps and you go skiing and you just enjoy a free holiday. And then in theory, if anything goes wrong, you've got to be there. So if one of the kids has an accident, you have to fill out a report form. If, for example, they want to do something in the evening as an entertainment, perhaps all the kids want to go bowling, then you have to phone the local bowling alley, organise that, organise the buses. But, you know, customer service in, in the States is fantastic. So all you really have to do is go to the hotel reception and say, I've got 50 kids that want to go bowling, can you phone the bowling alley? And they'll do it all for you. So, as I say, it's a free holiday, which usually is a great deal of fun. Uh, but the problem is, when you've, um, you do kind of have to go up the hill every day in case there are problems. You don't have to be with them, but you have to sort of meet up with the teachers and stuff during lunchtime and just, you know, say, hi, is everything going well? And they usually say, yeah, it's great. Um, but everything went wrong, frankly. It was awful. Um, one day there was no skiing because it was so cold and windy that the mountain closed for the first time in 11 years. That was pretty impressive. A place called Loon near Lincoln in New Hampshire in the land of freedom. Goddamn freedom! And um, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was a bit of a disaster, really. When, it, when the mountain was open, it was so unbearably cold that I couldn't think. I bought another five layers of clothing out there. I looked like Michelin Man on the ski lift. It was ridiculous. It was, I looked like this big, fat lump. And the thing is, I'm a snowboarder, so when you're wearing that many layers, it's very difficult to get your snowboard on. Because, you know, the older I get, I get a cheeky little beer belly as it is. The last thing you need to be doing is when you lean forward to put your board on, there's three coats. So it's actually very difficult to actually do anything. And then, you know, when it's minus 30, and I know I'm a whinging Brit and I need to man up and pull my socks up and get on with it. You live in Canada now. Hang on a minute, buddy. If it's minus 30 and the wind chill is minus 38 and you're on a ski lift with crying children and, and it stops in the middle of it, and they're scared, 
and you look at yourself and you're dying, right, and you're just getting the flu, you do have to ask yourself, is this free holiday worth it? I know it's free, but it really isn't going that well. <laughs> so there's a couple of times I um, questioned the whole affair and my friend also, the guy that I went to go and see, the other rep, had the flu. So we spent a great deal of the time lying in bed like a uh, very sad married couple in a what would appear to be, from an onlooker, a homosexual embrace. I can believe me, it wasn't. If I was a homosexual, I wouldn't have had the energy to do the business. I really wouldn't. But um, it was a tragic state of affairs, it really was. Uh, there were a couple of giggles along the way. I mean, you have to laugh at this ridiculous misfortune. Uh, but there was uh, also... Um, it was just tricky. Like, honestly, one day it was minus 30. And if you're listening in the States, by the way, it's a very simple uh, equation to get to Fahrenheit. It's uh, times nine divided by five plus 32. Done it? Good, thanks. Um, well, that's your fault for wearing Fa- using Fahrenheit. Who uses Fahrenheit? There's five countries in the world that use it. Do you know who they are? Bahamas, Belize, the Cayman Islands, Palau. I don't even know where that is. And the United States. Let it go. Who needs Fahrenheit? Elliot's looking up where Palau is. If you're listening in Palau, by the way, I'm not even that sorry. I'm not. I don't mind overlooking you. I think you've been overlooked before. You're not offended. See, the first thing I thought it was the rice dish. I don't know if you know that Palau is another word for pilaf. I didn't know that. So, but I'm, I'm still, I've only got rice on my screen. I'm trying to find a country. Can you spell it? P-A-L-A-U. Palau. I might be Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Or is it Palau? <laughs> Defending a few more of them. I think there's only six of them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It's near, uh, it's like, you know, Oceania. It's near Australia and uh, Papua New Guinea and all that. Is it a small island in it's the a, Pacific? It's an island country located in the Western Pacific Ocean. Yeah, so that, I mean, they don't, it doesn't matter that they use Fahrenheit because it's the same temperature all year anyway. They might. They probably don't even use Fahrenheit. They just say hot, and they haven't got round to actually worrying about Fahrenheit or Celsius. But the United States, come on! Like, what is what is Fahrenheit? And I'm from England, where we still use, still use miles because our excuse. And this is honestly true. The rest of Europe went to kilometers, and we we stuck with miles because, quote, it costs too much to change all the signs <laughs> and the legislation. So I, I'm not saying that we, uh, the British, are the most forward-thinking country. And by the way, you can talk, Canada, can't you? <laughs> I was measuring a cabinet a couple of years ago, and I said to a guy, a Canadian friend of mine, I said, uh, what measurement is that? How, how far is it across? He said, it's one metre and three inches. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. <laughs> one metre and three inches. I'll write that down. I mean, that, that's at least stick to one. When it comes to metric imperial. Anyway, it was bloody cold. That's all you need to know. And I got the flu and it was a bit miserable. And although it was free, um, I'm not sure I'd do it again. But hello to Seamus who listens to this show. Uh, And he was uh, with me the whole week. And we did have a lot of giggles. And I hope you feel as horrifically bad as I do as you're listening to this. Because uh, if I'm going down, you're going down too. Um, I think my probably my lowest point was after making cataclysmic mistakes as a result of my flu, including not ordering enough buses, um, not ordering the correct evening entertainment, 
um, quite often getting the dinner time wrong to tell the teachers who they then told the kids and the kids turned up for dinner at the wrong time. I made so many mistakes. I was, I was just cringing towards the end of it and I was so determined to get the last moment right that on the bus to Boston, where everyone was flying out of, including myself, um, I was on the bus, 50 kids, four teachers. I'd been with them all week and I could see that they already thought I was a bit of an idiot because I'd messed so many things up. And um, the bus driver said, uh, what terminal? And I thought, oh, I'm not going to get this one wrong because I know they're flying Virgin. So I said, uh, these guys are Terminal E, right? And the bus driver stopped. I've got 50 kids. I've got myself as well. I've got all the uh, teachers, all the luggage. Bus disappeared. And I suddenly realised that they weren't flying Virgin. They were flying Delta. I'd sent everyone to the wrong terminal. And if I had just shut up, they would have got it right. But because I spoke and I was in a position of authority, they believed me. Now, I wasn't flying out of that terminal because I was flying back to Canada. So I had to walk off anyway. So what did I do? A fully grown man take responsibility for his actions in a terrible situation and tell them as soon as I realised that they'd got the wrong terminal? Or when they said, have we got the wrong terminal? Did I say, no, there just must be a missing sign. Send them into the terminal and then hide behind a pillar. Yes, thank you very much indeed. That was me. Proud of myself. Grown man cowering in the snow, nearly in tears with the flu, on the run from 50 lost school children. Because I couldn't face to be wrong again. <laughs> what a pathetic waste of skin. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm back here. Hopefully this show will be better than the uh, performance of my last week. That said, I didn't break anything. I did do some pretty good snowboarding. Because I'm totally awesome, dude. A hung tan dude, or whatever it is cool people say on the slopes. I usually just do two runs and go and have a hot chocolate and a pint. That usually works for me in my old and dilapidated age. Uh, so that was that. And then I got back to... I'm really irritable as well at the moment. Have you noticed that when you get ill, you get really irritable? I always get irritable when I'm tired. I get particularly irritable when I've got the flu. And I was, I'd already made all those mistakes. So I was just sort of angry at the world when I arrived back here. And I was waiting for a bus because I refused to get a, what is it, $60 limo? What a racket that is from Pearson. What is that? There's no signs for ground transport when you get off the plane, right? It's just a big sign that says taxis and limos. I think, well, I don't want a limo. You go outside, well, you can't get a taxi. They're not permitted, so it has to be a limo. Where am I? Not going to the Oscars, just trying to get home. And although it was tempting, I thought, no, I won't. I will get the TTC because I'm a man of the people. And in retrospect, I should have just got a limo and bit the bullet because I felt bloody awful. And I was incredibly—I was just annoyed at the world. I went and waited for the bus and a man in a sombrero in a very good mood with ridiculously brown skin um, came in and uh, he looked like he'd been charred to a tinder. He's obviously been sleeping on the beach, uh, sorry, falling asleep on the beach in Mexico for the last couple of weeks. He came in and he said, uh, man, do people live here? as I'm waiting for the bus. And I kind of felt the same way as him until he said, I'm all for global warming. And which I saw, I mean, I know that the stupidity of people, I should always let it pass. But for some reason, but probably because I'm a bit agitated at the moment, I just said, look, global warming has an impact on colder winters and freak weather and variations. It's not all about hot temperatures. So it won't work like that. And he went, oh, okay. It's just ridiculous. I'm just shouting at random people. <laughs> so I went home and went to bed for a day. Text your sympathy to 71010 
And uh, if you feel bloody awful, let me know and I will give you sympathy back. And it'll be heartfelt. I genuinely mean that because if it feels, um, if, it fe if you feel as bad as I did yesterday, I can give you uh, audio cuddles till the cows come home. Coming up in the show, we talk about, should we talk about the Oscars? Did you get the telly to work, Elliot? I am still working on that, Vinny. Yeah. Uh, should, we, should we just let it be? I mean, everyone else is going to talk about it for the next week, and it's mostly designed to keep us stupid anyway, isn't it? I actually wanted to mention something. There was a caller earlier who called in and I guess heard you talking with the Oscars and said, don't tell Vinny not to watch the Oscars. I'm avoiding the Oscars to listen to him. I prefer – I don't. He didn't. she didn't want you involved with the Oscars yeah. at all. She wanted you pure – and untainted by the Oscar ceremony. I think she's right. Uh, in fact, I am, I'm so glad you confirmed what was going on in my gut visceral vibe anyway. It's true. It actually, actually, that's a legitimate call that happened about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, it'll be wall-to-wall -wall crap about glitzy dresses and people that we have aspirations to be, but in reality are just normal people like us who scratch their ass and go for a poo for the next week anyway. So why do you need me to do it live when you're quite right? You're listening to me. You could put the TV on if you really wanted so for that, coming up, absolutely nothing to do with the Oscars here on News Talk 1010. That's for sure. And uh, after the break, I want to talk about the pain index. I've been feeling so grim, I decided it would be a very good idea to understand what kind of pain one could be in. So I started looking up um, how bad the flu was in, uh, so in, in comparison to various other temporary and reasonably common illnesses. And uh, it's not one of the worst by any means. Uh, there's many that are far worse than that. And that started making me feel better. And then I started stumbling upon um, what bee stings and various animal stings are the most painful things ever. And there, I, to my absolute amazement, there was a guy called Schmidt who designed a pain index. And to do so, he had to get stung and bitten by everything. So that, again, if you're feeling a bit grim, that'll make you feel better. And I think it's quite funny as well. So we'll talk about that. And um, what else should we do? Well, there was lots of other things I was going to do, but I'm almost hallucinating and tripping out. So I have a fairly much no idea what's going on. Perhaps you could suggest topics as the... Uh, if it derails, uh, if, if you just hear the witterings, witterings of a British lost man, if you wouldn't mind saving me this week. Normally I've got myself covered. But, um, Elliot, if you could step in, or anyone on the phone, if I just end up just warbling on about absolutely nothing. No problem. Uh, more so than normal. Uh, so we'll have a quick break, and we'll talk about the pain index uh, here on Discombobulated, but reasonably functional. News Talk 1010. You're tuned in to The Vinny White Show on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010 is where you are, and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, although I'm a bit stuffy, I'm recovering from the flu, so um, I don't know if it's going to be the best show we've ever done. What do you think, Elliot? Do you think we're off to a wonderful start? Yes. This is the most excellent show ever there that we've go. done. I think that's it. That's just a sound bite. Elliot's not even there. He died years ago, but I just re-loop that every week. Ooh. <laughs> um, we could talk about this week's news. A woman in Mexico arrested while masturbating to Fifty Shades of Grey in a crowded theatre. Put the cuffs on her, boys. I'm sure that's the last thing she wanted to happen. Right? Uh, Obama this week showed maturity and leadership, boldly telling the good old party, stop copying me. Well done there. And uh, today the Kardashians hit black ice and slid into a ditch. Uh, they survived. Thank goodness we can carry on avoiding any genuine news. So, uh, trying to make myself feel better about my 
minor illness. It really isn't that big a deal. But obviously, as a man, I was near death. Uh, that is flu, and uh, I decided to look up what could be the most painful thing in the world in a midst to realise how lucky I am. And uh, it worked. I feel much luckier because I discovered the Schmidt Pain Index. The Schmidt Pain Index is um, an index designed by a guy called Schmidt. And getting stuck by insects, as we all know, uh, stung by insects, uh, can hurt. And sometimes some insects hurt a lot more than others. Uh, and there was one guy, an American entomologist named, that uh, was still with us actually, surprisingly, uh, named Justin Schmidt, uh, decided to take all, uh, one for the team, really, and let a lot of bees, ants, and wasps sting him. Then he would rate the level of ouchiness in an admirably systematic method. And since then, he has published the Schmidt Pain Index. Now, this began. Uh, the first publishing was in 1984, but it's been uh, updated and refined in more recent years. Um, so now we can wonder together, if you're feeling a bit rough around the edges, um, just to understand how bad things could be uh, by what Schmidt has put himself through. And we can discover exactly what is the most painful thing to be either stung by or bitten by in the world. And what I really like about the Schmidt Pain Index is his beautiful descriptions, which read more like wine tastings than anything else. So I'm going to lead you from one, uh, or 1.0, I should say, uh, the arguably the nicest, if that's such a thing, thing to be stung or bitten by, which is the sweat bee, to the most painful, which is four out of four. Um, it's quite a small ratio, isn't it? But uh, that's the way he decided to go. So at number one, we have the sweat bee, uh, which, according to Schmidt, uh, when bitten, you will have a light, ethereal, almost fruity, hmm? a tiny spark, a single to... Single hair on your arm. All right? That's the description to that one. Uh, it does sound like wine, doesn't it? We should do it. Do it again. I'll do it over. Have you got any classical music? Maybe we should put some sort of Vivaldi or strings on or something. Make it sound much more fruity and wine-like. The sweat bee. Only a one out of four. Light. Ephemeral. Almost fruity. At 1.2, we have the fire ant. If you're bitten by the fire ant, you'll get sharp, sudden, and mildly alarming pain. Like walking across a shag carpet and reaching for the light switch. He actually wrote that. Uh, 1.8 on the scale of 1 to 4, 4 being the maximum in the Schmidt Pain Index, is the bullhorn acacia ant. Now this is a rare and piercing, elevated sort of pain. Like someone has fired a staple into your cheek. <laughs> Now, I can only assume that to get to these comparisons, he's done that as well. You know what I mean? Did he Did he get a bullhorn acacia ant, get it all rolled up, put it on his hand, get the, get the sting, go mental, think that must be a bit like a staple. S Sid, can you pass that staple gun? Cheers, mate. Just fire it at my cheek. Ah! Ah! Yeah, that's just like it. Uh, 2.0 on the Schmidt Pain Index is the bald-faced hornet, a rich, hearty, slightly crunchy pain, similar to getting your hand mashed in a revolving door. Tasty. Uh, tying at number two also is the yellow jacket, a hot and smoky, almost irreverent. Imagine W.C. Fields extinguishing a cigar on your tongue. I don't know what a yellow jacket is. Is that a beetle? A lot of these are beetles, I think. Um... 
At two points. apparently. Is it? Yeah, wasp. It's a wasp. Um, one to look out for anyway. Yellow jacket wasp. You don't want that. Uh, 2.1 on the ratio of four. Starting to get pretty painful now is the honeybee and European hornet. Doesn't give a description on that, but apparently a 2.1. Um, on a 3.0, now we're getting proper ouchie, is the red harvester ant. Bold and unrelenting. Somebody is using a drill to excavate your ingrown toenail. All right? So if you've got the flu listening to this, aren't you feeling better? Uh, number three uh, out of four, so very ouchy, is again, uh, number three is the paper wasp. Uh, the description of that uh, sting is caustic and burning. Distinctly bitter aftertaste, like spilling a beaker of hydrochloric acid on a paper cut. Um, the next one um, is at four. So this is the maximum pain you can have. But I have to tell you that it's... It, there, there's a four plus, which is written after this. So they're kind of both the worst you can get, but there's one that's worse than the other, if that makes any sense, according to Schmidt, who has put himself through all this agony for our own benefit. Uh, the Pepsis wasp. Apparently, if you are stung by the Pepsis wasp, according to Schmidt, who's an American, by the way, it kind of have to be. Uh, Schmidt says that it's a blinding, fierce and shocking electric pain. It's like running a hairdryer that has been dropped into your bubble bath. He goes on to say, this wasp kills tarantulas. Rather than light or fruity or shag carpety, he's described this pain as immediate, excruciating pain that simply, sh simply shuts down one's ability to do anything except perhaps, at best, scream. He goes on to say that mental discipline simply does not work in these situations. I think Schmidt might have sworn to that one. And then the best of all, if you're feeling rough today, things could be worse because you, my friend, could be bitten by what's known as a 4.0 plus on the Schmidt scale, and that is the bullet ant. It's called a bullet ant because one bite feels like you've been shot. One bite. The pain, according to Schmidt, about the bullet ant, the most painful thing in the world, is pure, intense, brilliant pain like walking over flaming charcoal with a three-inch nail in your heel. Not one you'd want on a regular basis. So, being that we're the human species, I investigated as to anyone's been foolish enough to purposely, since Schmidt, been excruciatingly pained, purposely, by a bullet ant. And, of course, being that we're the human species, we're bloody stupid. So there's plenty of them. No more so than a tribe in uh, Brazil, home of the bullet ant, who have decided to keep themselves busy and to prove their manhood, that they actually put bullet ants inside gloves and then put their hands in those gloves. Yes, you have to hear it to believe it. Here's an audio report of just how bad pain can be. If you fancy being stung or bitten by a bullet ant, then this is how it goes if you're in a tribe. In, Brazil. in the remote Amazonian village of Inhube, the moan of the horns means a grueling initiation is about to begin. Several times a year, the Saturday Mawe Indians hold a painful 11-hour ritual. 
in which boys as young as 12 must stick their hands into a pair of specially made gloves, each one infested with a swarm of angry, stinging jungle carnivores, giant tropical bullet ants. No initiate can be considered a true Indian, a warrior, until he has worn the gloves not just once, but 20 times. This afternoon, Ted Beltrow will wear the ant gloves for the first time, with 19 more to come. People say that I don't have the courage to do it. I have, and I will do it. The men face the prospect of getting stung even before the ritual starts, when they head off to capture the ants. A stab from this predator's abdominal spear is 30 times worse than a bee sting. The tribe's medicine man drugs the ants by soaking them in an herbal solution. But their stupor will only last long enough for them to be thrust one by one, stinger first, into the gloves. According to the Sature Mare legend, these menaces provide the perfect test of one's worthiness to take on adult roles. Or stupidity. In less than an hour, the ants are awake. Trapped in the woven mitt, they writhe in angry desperation. They're ready to be inserted into the ceremonial gloves. One by one, each young man steps up to the sacred pole and submits his hands to the swarm. Their agony is unmistakable. To help distract them, the medicine man leads them in a dance around the pole. To be seen as a true tribal warrior, each must endure the ant's punishment for more than 10 minutes. With each sting, the bullet ant's neurotoxic venom attacks the nerves, causing paralysis and terrible pain. And this is only the beginning. Once the gloves are off, the stinging and burning will only grow more excruciating. Now, after watching the others suffer, Ted's moment of truth has arrived. Unfazed, he keeps dancing, while all around him the others succumb to the poison. Slowly, the neurotoxic venom is turning their hands into swollen, simmering, paralyzed stumps. Finally, the gloves come off and Ted remains standing. My body feels like a motor that's heating up. If you throw water here, a lot of smoke will come out. It takes 24 hours for the toxins to dissipate completely. As the chief sees it, the ritual not only marks the initiate's entrance into adulthood, it makes them better men. If you live your life without suffering anything, or without any kind of effort, it won't be worth anything to you. Despite his long hours of agony, Ted has promised the chief he will wear the gloves 19 more times, until he becomes a true adult in the eyes of the tribe. Is one not enough? Is one, is one bullet ant not enough? Never mind putting two hands in gloves with a hundred of them and then going, sorry, do I have to do that another 19 times? Because the weird thing is, I actually, on a philosophical level, I do agree with the chief. I think that if you do have no suffering in life, then it is boring, right? 
extreme highs and extreme lows can make for a very interesting life. But I could go and walk in front of a car on the way home. I'm not going to. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll just take the suffering when it comes. It's going to come. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to go out of my way and have more. I've only got a couple of deaths in the family this year, and I got hit by that fence off a building site. Rubbish! Give us one of those ants. Come on. <laughs> I want the hardship. Elliot, come in here and give me a good kick in the nuts, will you? My life's just been way too good. Are you sure about this? Well, there's a couple of listeners that wouldn't say no. Uh, it's unbelievable. Now, that was a Brazilian tribe, a fairly hearty and, uh, shall we say foolish? Yes. Foolish tribe in the, uh, in the Amazon rainforest, of course. Um, now, what would happen if a Western man did it? Hmm? And there's no one quite as uh, full of the uh, bravado as a good old-fashioned Australian. So I managed to find some uh, audio of uh, a white Australian guy thinking he could do it. And this is the actual pain that a man suffers when he's just put the bullet ant gloves on. And this guy only put them on. The ritual says that you're supposed to put them on for 10 minutes. Forget it. He put his hands in there and pulled them straight out again. So we can assume that he's probably been bitten maybe 40, 50 times, which is quite a lot. Right. That's bit, don't forget that each amount, each bite feels like you've been shot. So that, that can o- I can only assume that feels like you've been shot through the hands 50 times. Uh, there's quite a, there's a six sort of stages of pain that happens afterwards. And it sounds uh, if you're a white guy and you're stupid enough to try this, sounds a bit like this. The six stages of sting pain. Shrieking. <laughs> Refusal to dance. You have to dance. I don't want to dance. I want to... This is the last time I've ever felt like dancing. Screaming slash and or swearing. <laughs> Sweating. <laughs> Some shaking. <laughs> Biting stick requests. <laughs> Problem was, this went on for an hour, relentlessly. Cold water? <laughs> yeah. How's that? I need ice. Yeah, I'll get you ice. I'll get you ice. Toxin from the ants generates the worst pain a human is capable of experiencing. <laughs> there was nothing I could do to help him, so I essentially stood by in shock at the reaction. That's just not stopping. We later found out that not only do these ants sting multiple times a second, but they release a pheromone telling any nearby ants to also sting. Yeah. Aim had been stung a hundred times over. Hundred. Uh, uh, By the two-hour mark, yeah. Hamish had collapsed with yeah. exhaustion, but it was clear the pain hadn't receded at all. And the doctor offered up a suggestion. Let's go to a hospital. Oh, a bit of a worry wart there, Doc, if you ask me. Obligado. No, seriously, thank you, though. So they did actually go to hospital. That's what happens when two Australian tried it. Well, one Australian tried it. And uh, he went to hospital and was put on morphine to try and relieve the pain. The pain lasts uh, up to 24 hours, which is... Uh, and can we just recap on this? This is all done intentionally. Right? This is, there's no accident here. It's all done on purpose uh, to prove manhood. Um, I'd happily confess to having a small penis. I'd rather do that personally. But there you go. My pride's never been that big. Much like the wang, by the sound of it. Um, and I, I find one of the things that's interesting about that pain, someone else d- described it as um, the the pain is so intense that after a couple of hours, 
your your body doesn't know what to do, so it throws up, and apparently that's the good bit. He said, when I was throwing up, it took my mind off the pain. <laughs> so, <coughs> so, yeah, I've got the flu, but, you know, things could be worse. You could be a moron and have some handy ants. <laughs> Hang on a sec. <coughs> oh, I'm going to die for a sec. Let me have a coughing fit while I put a break on and I'll come back with some sort of mediocre radio. It's not the best show I've ever done because I feel a bit ropey, but it's a pleasure to have you here. You're tuned in to The Vinny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Uh, so, thanks so much for your text. A lot of people saying, um, giving me advice on how to look after the cold, which I actually need. I kind of forgot some of these things. If you're suffering, here's some of the stuff that I've been given. Uh, Vinny, to boost immunity to colds, take echinacea and vitamin C. Feel better. Now you've got it, you'll need chicken soup, lemon tea or any hot liquids. Drink far more than you think you need and you will be fine in a few days' time. Yeah, fair play. Thanks, mate. I've been popping a lot of the old lemons and vitamin Cs. And um, and then I have to give sympathy to some various people that are suffering because it's really bad actually at the moment. Uh, and this one's uh, from Catherine. She says, "I had a flu shot. Didn't think I'd be here right now. Got the flu. Haven't left bed in two days. So hugs to you, Catherine. And um, particularly if you're attractive, uh, because I'm shallow. And uh, who else have we got? Steve here. You know what? I can hug a man. Steve, come here, brother. Come on, baby." <laughs> We can go through this together. Steve's suffering from the flu as well. Uh, who else we got? Debbie Joan, Simon, Dan, uh, Rich and Al as well, all suffering from various colds, flus and just feeling a bit crap. And so I always find it's a bit grimmer on Sunday as well, particularly if, you're go- if you are actually going back to work. Because if you are, if you're working a regular job, I always think the best time to be ill is about Tuesday. You go in Monday... They can see you're a bit ropey. You're off on Tuesday, off on Wednesday, off on Thursday. Go in for Friday. They can see you're a bit ropey. They believe every word of it. You sound all husky. You've still got your weekend. You don't want to be getting the worst part of the flu bang in the middle of the weekend. It's not right. All those sick days you could have used, you're not getting them. So what you need to be doing is rolling those little puppies over. Yeah, they don't need to know. Particularly if you work for the government. You can't get fired. Doesn't matter. This has been Responsible Talk Radio from News Talk 1010. Um, Vinny's views on this week's news. I haven't done a lot of this week's news because I've, um, well, I was away. And also it's quite quiet, the news at the moment. It's always quiet when Kardashian pops up. You know, she's just uh, a topical filler. Uh, in many senses, one in reality. And um, she... She's uh, popped up a few times, so obviously there's not much going on. I find her a sort of index on how crap the news is and how uh, newsless it is. Also, uh, you know, panic as well. You always know that there's no news when there's panic. I noticed today there's a panic because some guy in uh, North Africa uh, did a 72-minute long video and somewhere in the video said that he might uh, be getting uh, people to um, do terrorist activities. Uh, and mentioned a number of malls. So what does the Western media do? 
promote it even more. Yay! We'll tell everyone that the attack's imminent, imminent and then anyone that thinks it might be a good idea to do a radical hatred act uh, seems this as a pretty good time. Thank you very much, Western Media, doing your job as you have been perfectly well done. Or we could just bury it, not worry about it, because it's just some nutter doing a 72-minute-long video and get on with our lives. And if there is a terrorist attack, then perhaps we should report on that, because that would actually be news, not pumping fear into people's hearts and minds and making us all a paranoid bunch of idiots. So, you know, let's not bang on about that either. So there was that news. And one of the things I was really disappointed with this week is, uh, is racism alive in the UK? Well, I haven't lived there for 10 years, so I thought, no. Answer, absolutely yes. Yeah, a lot of the states this year has really highlighted just how bad uh, racism is and just how sadly alive it appears to be, particularly with such shootings and uh, all the uh, action that's gone on. Uh, particularly in some of the southern states. Uh, but sometimes I always sort of like live in this cocoon world where I believe that the UK I left behind is full of happy people that have wonderful and uh, sound political minds and aren't religious idiotic bigots. But unfortunately, a councillor has been expelled from the UK Independence Party over what she was, uh, uh, what's been described as deeply racist comments. Uh, she says, however, she doesn't regret what she said. Uh, I just thought it was a bit of an interest. I'm sure she didn't say anything too bad. I'm sure it was the media blowing it up. And then I heard what she said. This is uh, audio this week from Roseanne Duncan, who sits on Thanet District Council. She was filmed, it, with her own knowledge, by the way, she was filmed by the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, with her own knowledge, key point. Um, she signed a piece of paper saying, yeah, film me, knew she was on camera, and said this, and just before I play this, she said, just before this statement, she said, I'm not racist, but... She actually said those classic lines, and I don't think you could ever hear such a beautiful contradiction and such a sad one as well as this. I'm not racist, but... The only people I do have problems with are Negroes. And I don't know why. I don't know whether there's something in my psyche or whether... From a, it's karma from a previous life, but I have, I, I, I really do have a problem with, with people with Negroid features. I really do. A friend of mine said, what would you do if I invited you to dinner and you, I put you next to, to... I said, I wouldn't be there. Simple as that, I said, I wouldn't be there. Miss Duncan's colleague, clearly shocked, challenged her view, but admitting she really did have a problem for which she needed help, she went on. I was born at the late 40s, early 50s, when, especially down in Thanet, there weren't any, you know, and I wasn't brought up with them. Now, that's no justification at all. It doesn't, it doesn't answer the question, why is she like that with them and not anybody else? Really bizarre. Well, who says it's really bizarre? It's you! How can you say that? You, but you said it! That doesn't make any sense. For some reason, I'm just going to bang my head against the desk. Hang on. I, I don't know. I don't know why I'd do it. It's really bizarre. I'm going to do it again. Oh, why do I do that? Hey, eh? why am I racist? It's weird. I don't know why. I just am. And evidently, I can't possibly change that in any way, shape or form. I can challenge my own views. I can actually look at the relentless and idiotic um, contradictions in everything that I just said. And I couldn't understand that globalisation is just a part of life and times have changed. I can't do it. I'm going to do it again. 
It's really bizarre. Play that last bit when she says it's really bizarre, like it's not her. Have you got it there? Just give me that last bit again. I'm putting Elliot through the, the motions. It doesn't, it doesn't answer the question, why is she like that with them and not anybody else? Really bizarre. It's you! <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to go and punch that guy in the face over there. Done it. Oh, I don't know why I did that. It's really bizarre. Isn't that weird that I did that? Oh. Anyway, it's not my fault. I had to punch him because of the old uh, the instilled values within me that I can't challenge or possibly get to look at. Anyway, I'm going to punch him again. Get a grip, you stupid old bitch. Right. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. See you next week. I'm doing a double show then. It'll be a bit better than this one because I'll be over the flu. Thanks for sticking with me. Night night.